Welcome to another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast, journeys of descending into the mysteries and rising from the roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, spiritual mentor and priestess. I guide women into the mysteries within to rise rooted into their sovereign selves. And today I have Wayne Barkus on the show with me, a sacred king. Wayne is the father of two beautiful daughters a devoted partner of almost seven years to the love of his life. He is a men's embodiment coach, men's work facilitator for the global men's group, The Sacred Sons, and also a somatic release breathwork practitioner. Wayne is doing some deep work with the masculine on this planet at this time, so be sure to share this episode with any beloveds that come to mind and be sure to check out the Phoenix Rising Patreon portal. The link is in the bio. I can't wait to sink into this episode with you. Welcome, Wayne. And to start, we're going to start with the big question of what is the journey, the story that has led you to the work that you're offering the world today? Mm. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm super grateful to share this space and time with you just to uh, be transparent. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the journey of self-love for me has brought me to where I am uh, and how I show up into the spaces. Uh, Also, just becoming the invitation for other men to learn more about themselves by my capacity to go into the deep, dark and light spaces of my mind and how I've learned to navigate through a lot of conditioning, environmental setbacks and things that have really prompted a massive awakening in me. It has really brought me to where I've wanted to share this gift with not just men, but women as well. Uh, just to broaden the horizon of the conversation of what self-love can really look like and how radical it is in this time. Mm, Self-love is a big one. It's definitely a big one. And so was there a point in your life where you were leading a very different life? I know for myself, I used to be an interior designer, completely different trajectory for my life. And the Mm. goddess brought me to my knees. God brought me to my knees. And it was like, okay, something's not working. Something's out of alignment. So was, were there, was there a moment in your life where the trajectory changed and something, something had to, had to shift in a massive way? Yeah. Well, everything was out of alignment. Everything. (laughs) I was deeply disconnected from myself Um, living in somewhat of a extremely heightened fight or flight uh, operating system where I was really living with no intention other than what felt like survival. And there was a fear of not having enough, a fear of losing everything. There was this underlying scarcity that was my operating system. And what I didn't recognize is that I was waking up and oftentimes working 10 to 
13 hours of physical labor. Um, I've been in the construction industry pretty much my entire life. My dad taught me young. And then from college, I went right into it and just hustled, grinded, worked my butt off. And that was really what I thought it was to be a man, was to be a provider, to be an extremely hard worker, to put my head down and make it happen. And I became very successful at it. But I had no capacity to slow down. There was like no ceiling for me. I just kept going and going and going and ultimately burnt myself out physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What led to a very deep depression for me ultimately led to the end of my marriage. At that point, I was with my partner for 14 years. We were together and married for 11 and she one day came home and I had discovered that she had left me for another man. And that for me was really the ultimate spark uh, for me to kind of zoom out the lens and discover who I might actually be outside of this identity that I had created. Oh, well, that's powerful. That journey of reconnection. Do you remember what the first step on your journey to reconnection of the yeah, self well, was? It was a mess. Um, I remember hearing the voice in my head say, who am I? Like, who am I? It was the first time I, I really was able to take stock of who I am. Like, who am I without the house, without the marriage, without the cars, without the things? And I feel as though my brain led me to the past because that was what was somewhat familiar. It was like, okay, well, let me go back before I was married. What was I like then? Well, I was kind of a playboy. I was a, a guy that would go out to the bars and, um, you know, chat it up. I was very socially extroverted. And so I kind of took on like a, a make-believe role of who I thought I was and, and really, it was like I had been living with a mask for so long, and then I just chose a different mask. Mm -hmm. And so I got to go down that route and then recognize, well, this doesn't feel good either. And yet it led me to a relationship, um, which was the most powerful shift for me because I was, I was guided to another energy source in a different body that was able to kind of have more conscious conversation with me about how we were operating. She was able to show me some things. So, so really I, I was not sufficient enough yet to do it by myself um, in the environment that I was in. I wasn't really supported with men. It was, let's go to the bars, let's get drunk. Let's Let's just black out all of the issues that you're experiencing, and then maybe it'll all go away. You'll be fine. Um, and that was the depth of the support that I had. Um, so it was, it was a little bit tumultuous for a while, but all like everything that showed up showed up relatively quickly for me to examine myself quite, quite a bit deeper. Mm, beautiful to start the descent into the inner realms. I watched a documentary and I don't coach a ton of men. That's why I'm really 
love this conversation because men hold um, different barriers. I would say there's different masks that men place on as opposed to, to women. And I remember watching this documentary, the masks of masculinity, I think it was Mm. called. And it, it showed just where the barriers start coming in and start coming in where men don't feel safe to maybe communicate or show their true feelings to other men. They feel very Mm. separate in the world. And I believe your work now is holding like men's circles, sacred sons. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like? You know, men's group and men starting to strip down the masks and really reconnecting to their heart. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's really been the journey for me was that I recognized that in order to be a better version of myself, I truly needed some support. And I had up until that point really surrounded myself with women because I felt that I was able to have some more emotional depth in those conversations. Whereas the the men that I was speaking with that would get shut down really quick. And and that is one of the more deeper uh, conditioning aspects for men that we tend to get, you know, injected by society, by our father, and, and really by the tribe. And so there is this uh, conversation that happens with men, whereas we go into the deeper aspects, like, wow, I'm really hurting, or I'm, I'm feeling some kind of a way, it's just an immediate shift to suck it up, and, mm-hmm. and not go into that space. And, and that, for me, has gone back to my childhood. And it just never felt right to me, because I felt that I was a deeply emotional being. I'm a cancer. And I, I, I feel the things. And so disconnecting myself from all those feelings, especially in my marriage, um, was really just cutting off the aspect of myself. So the mask I was wearing was a protection mechanism to hide my inadequacy of myself. And that's, that's usually the deeper aspect for men is men don't feel that all of themselves can be revealed because at some point that aspect has been shut down and it's been shut down hard, not just by mom or dad, but by brothers, by, by the tribe, by the sports team, um, by culture, all of those aspects. So I kind of felt this call of the heart to find a tribe. Like the, the guys that I was hanging out with it, what, like, I love them. They, they took me as far as they could go, but it wasn't, it wasn't what needed to be addressed. It was like, there is so much more to me and I would love somebody to be able to hold the conversation of what that even looks like for me to journey deeper into my own psyche, into my own manhood. Like, what does it look like to uncover what masculinity could be redefined as for me now that I'm like, 36 years old and what I was taught just absolutely did not work. It's not working for me. So I really started researching and and I was able to find this group that was holding retreats. And at that point, there was a spiritual, physical, 
um, kind of a mental trifecta to what they brought to the retreats. It was really an embodied masculine experience. I didn't know what embodiment was. I didn't know what it meant to be a man. And I hadn't experienced much of anything with men up until that point, except for getting blackout drunk on the weekends mm. or cheering for sports teams that were, you know, like I just didn't care about. So I, I took the journey into the unknown. I got on a plane. This was pre-COVID. And I went out into the mountains of California. And at that point, I think there was a little bit over 40 men there. And it was the first time in my life that I was able to be in the space of men, mm -hmm. to be held, seen, and witnessed for who I was, to be able to share my vulnerable truth, the shame that I felt as a man to have my wife choose another man, the, um, the uh, shame that I felt for hiding myself, just all of this stuff, all of the anger, all of the resentment, all of the bitterness, all of the mistrust, I was able to express it and just be witnessed and not with an attempt to be fixed. Mm. And it felt like one of the more deeply healing as like experiences that I've had in my life. And, and then we were taught to move, like move in a primal way to bring our warrior energy online and connect with it in a way that empowered us rather than using it for conflict only. And so that for me just absolutely rocked my world. And, and it, from then on, it's just been a knowing for me that this is the medicine and, and I got to experience all of this so that I could go to this space, learn it, come back into the world and, and offer it from my expression. Mm, that's powerful. I just, it just clicked in for me. We're doing this conversation on Lionsgate. Yeah, that was I just know. random. Or maybe <laughs> you could, picked that date on purpose. <laughs> um, you know, I think these things are all synchronistic because I woke up today and I'm like, I feel incredible. Thank you. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's such a, like the lion, lion energy is that like sacred King courage, like warrior heart, but it's coming from the heart, um, yes. which feels so different from that conflict. Just that, you know, when you're speaking to that conflict or, you know, ready to go to war, but that warrior can really stand and exude mm. from that heart space. Like that lion warrior is what it feels like um, yeah. for me. So with that, like, definition of masculinity like it what I received was there was a very different definition of what it meant to be a man growing up sports the masks you know bros before hoes kind of vibe that um energy sure. always comes to mind what does it mean to be a man for you now mm, it's a great question yeah I I believe that all of the things that um that made me a man prior were by doing things, by accomplishments, by success. And um, how, I, how I view masculinity now is how deeply rooted, present, and intimate can I be with myself? How much peace can I offer and how much grace can I offer to myself for any doubt, for any limitation, 
um, for any mistrust, like how, how deeply can I go into the human experience of myself and offer myself grace and my suffering and then uh, come back out and offer that love and compassion into the world, into my relationships with my families, with my friends, with my brothers, with my sisters. Um, so really, I just believe that masculinity for me is to be more aligned with both of my energies of my heart, my intuition, uh, I'm surrendering into the unknown and doing that from a deeply rooted, grounded into my core, into my warrior energy to, to really have this knowing of who I am, trusting that and showing up into the world as that expression. Mm. Feels like that. I know with David Data, I've read some of David Data's books and as well, I haven't read John Wyland's book yet, but followed some of his work. And it's like, sure. the masculine is the presence and holds the space for Shakti mm -hmm. to dance, like the container for mm -hmm. the feminine when he's deeply rooted in himself. And it's that like presence allows the dance to happen. Absolutely. The, the kind of weaving in and out between the feminine, and the masculine does anything come to mind for you of how the polarities work together with the masculine and the feminine when they're in their most heart-centered form? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was in my unconscious autopilot, what had become very front and center to me was that I had 100% shut down all of my feminine energy all of the expression of creativity and joy and love and everything that could have been a fuller expression of myself, I completely shut that down. So I was really imbalanced and I felt it. And I had this intuitive sense too, that I wasn't doing something right, but that phone that was ringing, I just ignored it for uh, like, until it just became just this tiny little whisper. And so for me, what I, what I have gotten to do is create a safe nervous system for myself, like really understanding how my body operates in every environment. I travel a lot. So I, I, I got to cultivate a nervous system that could handle more of life's intensity. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I really have honed in on as my practice for myself. And that's what I offer to men as well, is that the feminine energy is life and it's always changing, always evolving. And it can feel like the chaos of the ocean. And what often happens for us men is that our relationship to intensity is typically to shut it down. And that intensity that we're feeling in our body, it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling something. And I've been told that feeling this thing, albeit intense, I need to go to a tool that can shut that off because that's scary. Whatever that has to reveal to me, it's scary. And so what I've been working on for the last several years is that relationship to intensity. How could I hold more? 
How could I expand more? How could I show up more safely into every environment, hold the emotions of others, but not take them on? So, so really in terms of the balance for me, it's been knowing myself, knowing how I operate, knowing how much I can hold and how much I can handle, and also asking for support when I need it the most. Yeah, that support is a big piece and allowing others to witness and listen and receive without that fixing element. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. It's just that holding, holding the space and the support with the nervous system. How do you open your capacity to hold more in a tangible way with the nervous system? Mm, Yeah. So my morning routine over the last couple of years has just, it's varied a lot, but when I initially started and I recognized that the environment that I was in, I'm from Chicago and Chicago is pretty dense and it's really high activity. So people are in their cars at five 30 in the morning and they're going hundred miles an hour and they're running off the road. Music's loud, bass is pretty deep. And there's this vibration in the field that can be a little bit tumultuous to people. Um, That environment for me did not feel good. And so what I began to do is just create intentional moments of peace. Mm -hmm. And by that, I started meditating and really just slowing down my brain waves and giving myself an opportunity just to rest and digest and take it down a notch. And then I would also do lots of different breath work. I really got into Wim Hof. I got into Kundalini yoga. I got into box breathing. I learned every single breath work technique known. Mm. And I led myself into deeper um, edges where I would do breath of fire for two minutes and then I would do it for three minutes and then I would do it for four minutes. I would extend my breath holds. I would extend the exhales. And, and really what ended up happening is that when I was met with a situation that in the past would potentially, I don't like to use the word trigger um, because I believe that um, Nothing, nothing is a trigger. It's just a revelation. It's that there's something that was always there. That person didn't bring it on us. It's just, it was in us and it's revealing itself. So when somebody would offer me the opportunity to reveal something to me that uh, could have potentially been a trauma point, it hit different. It just didn't have the same impact. And I went through a pretty, pretty toxic divorce. And, you know, I had two daughters with my ex-wife and it was potentially the most toxic year and a half of my entire life going through that divorce process. Mm. And, um, you know, it's been almost seven years now and I go back to Chicago every single month and I walk right into that that old life that I had in, in an old paradigm and an old lens that um, I get to go back and like witness what the work that I've done, how does it impact me if my ex-wife has to, you know, throw an arrow at me? How does it feel? 
And so I've really been able to put this stuff to the test. It's, it's not like I removed myself from a really tough environment. I'm just living on a cloud. That's not the case. I've removed myself from an environment that didn't feel good. And I'm able to go back into it and have my tools and be like, oh, wow, I really have developed a nervous system that can handle a lot of intensity. When I hold a, a men's retreat with 60 men and, you know, 20 men are screaming, crying, you know, expressing themselves in, in a way that they've never experienced. That's a lot to hold. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to hold for any human. And it's been an opportunity for me to just go deeper, just go deeper. And oftentimes that can look like um, hours of breath work, um, somatic breath work release sessions, or it can just look like really relaxing on a couch and doing nothing and just offering my physical body deep rest. Mm. So with the breath, so that sounds like it's been a, a pivotal part of your journey to open up your capacity to hold and to receive. What is the style of breath work that you offer in your retreats? Is it like the, the active through the mouth breath? What's the somatic release breath? Yeah, the somatic release is through the mouth into the belly. And I've done, I've done all of the breath works and I believe that all of them have a time and a place for everyone. What I've experienced for men is that the deep, the somatic release breath work technique that I learned that the very deep into the belly and there's four different rounds, there's three clearing rounds, and then there's a final round where it's a, a reintegration of like all the stuff that you let go of. Now, what are we going to call back in? And let's focus on that. What I've noticed, and it's it's been nothing short of miraculous, is that within four to six minutes, 80% of the men are in tears. Mm-hmm. And that shows me how much men are caring and how it's like right there. And when given a safe space for expression, I say this all the time, without a safe space, most men will not come forward with and reveal the truth of their heart. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's the way it goes. And so when there is a very safe container where there's been a lot of you know um, understanding that this space for you is an opportunity for you to witness more of yourself. The breath is the guide to all of the things in their body that they've disconnected from. And it doesn't take long for them to access, oh yeah, in my belly, I'm holding grief and now I can feel it and, and it's okay to feel it and it's okay to express and it's okay to also release it. And now that I have that space, what do I want to bring in? Like what, how do I want to show up? Because I've been showing up everywhere, grief ridden, um, carrying this thing from three years ago that I haven't processed. So it really is an incredible, uh, and, and I've done it with hundreds of men and I've seen the exact same reaction all across the globe is that it accesses the deep emotions that are ready to be released. Mm. Yeah. Breathwork's been a, a big part of my journey and my experience of it is it just pierces through the clutter that keeps yeah. you separate from your truth and who you 
actually are. I always like have this vision of just going down, down, down into that light that mm-hmm. is deep within and sitting into that or leaning into that soul space. And there's so much wisdom and medicine, everything resides there. There's nothing that yes. you need to know outside of that. Yeah. It's like a broom that sweeps out all the density and all the dust in the corners and the crevices to create space, right? Like, cause all of that stuff takes up a lot of space and it takes up a lot of space in our mind. Mm, yeah. I love that. It's, it, it gets rid of the cobwebs. It clears, it takes you really out of your mind and into your body very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And it's not a one and done. Like there is nothing about this work that's a one and done. Like, I don't care who's selling what 30 second way to change your unconscious patterns. Like this is, this is something that we get to show up for ourselves often with. And I do it every single morning. I don't do the deep one hour breath work, but I do a very short cycle of the breath work to check in with myself. Am I feeling something? What's in there? A little sluggish, a little heavy. It's okay. Like, let's go in or let me offer myself a little grace in my schedule this week um, because I'm a little bit heavy. And so, yeah, yeah, it's it's really just been an incredible uh, lifestyle for me. I love that. It's not one and done. Nobody's that I know of has reached enlightenment on this planet. We're all on our healing path, on our journey. And it's what it feels like is that self-love showing up for yourself every single day in some sort of capacity where you're really meeting yourself where you're at. And that might be heaviness or like, I don't feel so great today or a little bit of shame's coming up, whatever it is, it's all it's not wrong. And I think the idea that it's wrong makes us try to repress it. And then we feel like we need to escape it. We need to shut it down with whatever numbing mechanism, but sure. self-love is meet yourself exactly where you're at. And there's such yes. beauty and um, potential in that mm. with, so a lot of my listeners are going to be women. There are some men, but I'd say there's going to be a lot of women that listen to this episode and for the feminine, are there any tangible ways that a woman can bring her beloved, her man into his heart? Hmm. Yeah, um, that's an incredible question. So a lot comes up on this subject of, you know, I, I get asked a lot by women, how do I get my man to do the work? How do I get my man to um, be in touch with his emotions? How do I get my man to go to a men's retreat? And um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, there is an energy to how it's delivered. And for my partner now of almost seven years, the way that she guided me to it was the sole reason that I went to it. one of the best ways that she did was she would be super deeply present with me on the couch and she would put her hand on my heart just just physically so like when she put her hand on my heart it it slowed me down it dropped me into the moment and and I could really feel my body most men live in their heads mm. they're very logical and men are completion machines. They want to 
execute the next task to execute the next task to get to the next task. The masculine energy loves freedom. And sometimes that can even be freedom from the conversation of doing the work. And so being the presence, the loving presence for me, she just put her hand on my heart and was like, what is it that you really want more of in your life? And, you know, what could you do in order to find that? And how can I support you? And for me, that was pivotal because prior to that, it was done in a nagging fashion where it felt very similar to my mother. And I say this because I know so many women come from just an absolutely incredible place. And women are so dialed in with their emotions and their, their, their sense, their, their gut instinct, their intuition, their heart. And they just have this knowing like, ah, if you just listen to me and would follow like, you know, a sacred king, listen to a Lauren Crenn podcast, or if you went to a sacred son's retreat, you'd be the king that I'm dreaming of you being. Just go and do that. Would you like stop being shitty and just be better, right? Like that is what I have so many men um, express to me that their partner and, and, and really what, what that ends up doing is it pokes at the inadequacy that's underlying the mask that the men are wearing. Okay. And so if men are operating from the space of shame and they're putting on a mask of, you know, I'm doing great at work and I'm doing, you know, I got this SUV that's so great and my grass is so green and it's just this, you know, posture that everything's always okay, but they're not sharing anything from their hearts. They're just living in this future dynamic of creating safety. And so the best way to invoke men to their heart is to be it is to be the invitation, is to be the best version of yourself. And sometimes that looks like creating boundaries with him when he's being a jerk and saying, I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to go in nature. The invitation's there. I'd love you to join me, but go and be the best version of yourself. Like invest in yourself, do the masterclasses, do the courses, do whatever, whatever lights you up. Because we love the invitation by feeling it. And I could feel it with my partner. When she hired a coach, an embodiment coach, and she went into a six-month container, she's never been the same. And I could feel it because she would come and she would drop in with me. And I could feel that she wasn't traumatized and reactive anymore. And I'm like, what is it that she has? I want some. And, and, and that may not always be the case. Sometimes it can drive a man deeper into his shell. And that is revelatory of, of, of itself. And then, then there's the question of like, how much longer am I going to hang on in, in, in this space where I'm really going full 100% throttle on myself and this, this relationship needs 
to evolve. Because I, I really, I look at relationships as like we have the relationship to ourself and then we have the relationship to the relationship. And so many times like we get stuck, the relationship, which is a separate container gets stuck. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that there is a there is this pivotal moment in every relationship where we have the opportunity to support each other's evolution. And, and sometimes that looks like giving each other space to do their thing, to really like evolve and then recognize that the actual relationship is, is, is a separate thing. And so we have the relationship to ourselves and then we have the relationship to the relationship. And I think what happens so often clearly as the divorce rates, you know, almost over 50% and, and I experienced it is that in the relationship we abandon ourselves. And so when the relationship can become an invitation to go in deeper to ourselves and give space and support it lovingly from a distance, then we can come together within the actual container of the relationship and support each other's evolution. And so I do believe that there are some times in a relationship where we need to kind of take a couple steps sideways and, and really invest in our in a way that we can become the invitation for our partners to really rise up and, and have that conversation consciously and, and say, look, like I'm, I'm really feeling incredible from, from these things. Would you like, like to hear about them? And, and that's what it became for me was I just got really curious about her growth like, what is meditation? What, what does it even mean to sit in the room? And she's like, I just light a candle and close your eyes. I'm like, that's the kookiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and yet after committing to it for 21 days, it literally changed the trajectory of my entire life because in that short 12 minute space, I had recognized that I had lived my entire life on autopilot. And this was the first time after 36 years that I had given myself permission and the love to slow down and just be with myself and not accomplish anything. And, and that's, that's been the, that was the, the aha moment for me where I believe just my third eye opened and I saw everything differently. And, um, I was able to really zoom out the lens and look at myself differently and how I showed up and nothing's been the same ever since. Yeah. It's been a journey ever since of change and evolution. What it, when you're speaking to the relationship aspect, it, it felt like two, you know, independent real people, two independent people coming, creating like a third, you know, there's you, there's me and our, our relationship is the third entity. We're not completing each other in any sense. There's a third energy there, that interdependent relational style, as opposed to maybe codependency where we're attached and, you know, there's so much caught up in that other, in that other person. Do you have any take on, on twin flames that comes to mind? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could say that my partner now is a twin flame. I, I really, you know, from a spiritual aspect, I believe like the twin flame is our counterpart, like our soul's counterpart, like the mirror that is the opportunity for us to go into a deeper aspect of ourselves and really 
continue to do this massive evolution together, it can be trauma bonding as well. Um, I mean, there's the case for glorifying it um, that way too. I mean, when I met my partner, it was a, it was a trauma bond, 100%. It was, I was really angry as was she. And I do believe that every relationship and everybody that we meet, there is a bonding for us to be able to witness our, our childhood conditioning, our limited beliefs, all of these things together. Um, and I don't think there's a better way to have them reflected back to us than a relationship. So, I mean, I think twin flames are uh, like the actual connotation of it can potentially be a little glorified in that. I think there's a lot of people that we match with that are an opportunity for us to have a spiritual evolution. In my case, um, what I felt and, and why I can speak to it being a little more significant than just like a going to the club on a weekend trauma bond is mm. that there has been the deepest felt sense of knowing that, you know, because I, I researched Twin Flames. I know about the runner and I know about the chaser and we did this stuff. She moved from Illinois a thousand miles away to Austin, Texas. So one would say that that is a twin flame in that it was an invitation for me to rise above my environment, rise above all my limiting beliefs, to accept this higher version of myself that's worthy of a change uh, so great that would bring me to an incredible state, an incredible community, um, where at that time I didn't believe that I was worthy of it. So I, I do believe that there is... And I just had this knowing, like, even when we broke up for this small window of time when we were going through our awakening, I'm just like, no, that doesn't feel good. Like, you're supposed to be, my intuition is telling me it's only you. Like, I'm supposed, we're supposed to stay working through some stuff. And it ultimately did lead, lead me to back to her. So, yes, I, I, I deeply believe in that there is somebody out there for us that we are meant to do some extremely deep work. I am not who I am prior to meeting her. And I question a lot, like, had I not met her, what would have happened? Like, is there another twin flame out there or, or would it have just been a, a, a trauma bond? So like, there, there, I believe that there is just something special, that there is just a different category of human that, um, albeit I believe like can be a massive catalyst for transformation if we're willing to, to, to go there mm, together. Yeah. I love that. The willing to go there together yeah. and, and it's scary. It's very scary. Totally. <laughs> yes. Everything, every, every shadow limiting belief, it will all come up. Yes. That. And but it's, it's ongoing. A, yeah. It's a, a beautiful invitation if you're, you're willing to accept it. And I, for the masculine, is it their, one of their core limiting beliefs is I'm not enough. And the feminine is more, I'm too much. Is that fair to say that mm. enoughness I'm not enough comes up a lot for men all the time. Okay. Yeah. All the time. And, and 
you know, um, I think I'm too much can, can also be the flip of I'm not enough. Like I'm not enough. And, and, and my fullness, my true expression is too much. At some point there was a aspect of a man that was shunned and, and usually that's his emotional side. So if there's an inadequacy that he feels like just quiet down, just don't express that there is an unworthiness to it, but then there's even the shift of that expression. When I do like, can somebody hold that? Can somebody love that? Can somebody like, so it's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there for a man. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any books that come to mind of like a a starting point for a man that's wanting to start his journey into the inner realms? Are there any books you'd suggest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Man Uncivilized was a beautiful book written by Traver Bohm, who is out of Denver, Colorado. He has a, 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 a men's group movement called Man Uncivilized. And that book was, he's done a TED talk too. It was just written for a man, by a man. Um, Pictures, less words, not just, he nailed it. And he talks a lot about polarity in there. And for me, it was the first time I had ever understood feminine energy as an aspect of myself. That was like in the construction industry, talk about the feminine, it's a woman. It is not an aspect of myself or it's not a, a quality of my own expression. And so to, to read that was beautiful for the first time. That was, that was really, um, it was really deeply healing for me to be able to accept this part of myself that I always knew I had. I just didn't know that it was okay to experience it. And he talks about a lot of the conditioning that men experience too, which also it just hit home where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not alone in this. Like, yeah, I get that that was taught to me and is still taught in every locker room and in all these conversations. Like it's just really, really prevalent. Um, Way of the Superior Man by David Data is just a beautiful book also about masculinity and, and just like what the feminine yearns for and, and for us to understand like that that's a part of us as well. Um, what does the masculine the yearn for? Yearn for? Sorry, I cut you off. What does yeah? The what does the feminine yearn, yearn for? Um, safety, to be seen, to be loved, to be held, to be heard, to not want to be changed. Um, I believe it's the same aspect in men as men when we get together and at some of these retreats. There's three hundred plus men. Men love to be seen, to be heard, to be validated for just as is, right? Just, just who you are. Like, am I, am I whole as is? Am I not like to feel whole versus to feel broken? And we get that in community. Like it starts in community and then we get to come back home to ourselves to, to like do the work for ourselves, like loving ourselves, like, yes, this community loves me. And now I get to love me too. Like I I finally got to feel what it's like to be loved as is 
Now let me go discover what it's like for me to love myself as is flawed and human and all of those things without defining myself as broken. And data does an incredible job of really kind of hinting towards, you know, how we've been taught and how to unlearn that. And, you know, words like safety and presence and yearning and nourishment, these words are, are so foreign to, mm-hmm. to like my upbringing, like nourishment. I didn't know what nourishment was for a man, not at all. Like nourishment looked like binge drinking on the weekend. That was what was nourishment. Um, but that wasn't nourishment. That was depletion. Now it's like soul nourishment. Like what is my soul desire? What is my soul yearning for? Like peace, liberation, freedom, joy, the ocean, uh, a nice breeze. Like it's a big difference. Yeah. It dropped in about just you being a father and having your daughters. You have two daughters. Is that mm-hmm. right? And yeah. how you accepting yourself fully in your wholeness and seeing yourself fully in your wholeness will shift their relationship with their wholeness in such a beautiful way. Just because when we think about, you know, when I think back to my upbringing, safety, you know, although they weren't, they weren't things that we talked about on the regular, you know, and so you doing your work and for everybody listening, you, you, each one of us doing our own work just shifts the next generations so beautifully. And that father daughter relationship is such a beautiful, nourishing relationship. Mm. And does anything come up for you around that Mm. that you want to share? Oh yeah. So much. (laughs) I mean, um, You know, growing up, I watched my parents drink quite a bit like that. If if I think of like rituals, um, drinking was their ritual and and a lot of separation, like a lot of my dad in the garage and my mom on the phone talking to somebody. And, and I felt it, I felt there was kind of this uh, division as though, you know, like we're fed up with each other and I'm running away. And um, there was definitely a lack of intimacy. And so, and a lot of that was a reflection of their lack of, you know, intimacy with themselves. And so what I've been able to do as a single father, when I'm with my two daughters, I'm, I'm a single dad, I'm, I'm out there with them and, and we're spending our time together, but they get to see me show up for me in a way that I never saw my parents show up for, for me. And that's by, I will create a little boundary. Like I'm going to need a little bit of space um, with myself where dad's going to go do his little meditation thing. And then I'll also invite them in. And if you'd like to come meditate with me, we can hold hands and we can listen to the cool little uh, bells and the, the little nature sounds. And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they say at that time, I would like that. And, you know, okay, well, dad, dad would like to put his feet in the grass. Do you want to go put your feet in the grass with me? And they're like, oh, yeah, because they just want to spend time with dad. And then I get to kind of explain like how it helps me. And, and how dad used to be really reactive and, and had a lot of anger. And do you remember when dad would yell at you um, when dad was really sad? Oh, yeah. Like, how did that feel? It didn't feel good. Well, how does it feel when dad's like really loving and, and really present and holds your hands and does things in nature with you? And they're like, oh, just love you, dad. 
Like we just, we love all of you. And so really, again, I just get to be the invitation for them. I don't, I don't tell them to meditate. I don't tell them to pray. I don't tell them to do any of these things. They watch and they model. And so, you know, my prayer for them is that they get to witness dad, make every attempt to be the best version of myself operating from my heart so that at some point along their journey, they can feel that too. Mm, I love that. I, my daughter's 21. Mm. And when I first embarked on my spiritual journey, I think she was in her teen years and I was very much come meditate with me, come to yoga with me, you know, so excited about this new life I was creating and yeah. it just didn't work. She's like, no, I'm not into the same things. You know, it didn't work. But when I model it, and just be that invitation, she'll get curious, like, oh, you went to horse therapy. What was that about? Or, you know, equine therapy, what was that about? And she'll ask questions so that yes, just modeling it is so much more powerful than nagging, or you should do this, or you should do that. Come here with me. It just, it doesn't work. In it so doesn't work. And it's exhausting too. Like it's exhausting to be let down when we, when we have this innate desire to fix people mm -hmm. and then they don't listen. Then we're like resentful against them, which counteracts everything that they really desire, which is just acceptance. Can you just mm -hmm. love me as I am right now? Like that's all people really need. That's where the transformation happens. Yeah. So true. So true. And when you were speaking to the retreats and just like, I think, you know, when I facilitate women's retreats and when we go around the circle, the women all feel the same thing. They're, they're limiting beliefs. And at the end of the day, end of the day, they just feel alone in their I'm not enough, or I can't trust or, or whatever it might be. And it sounds like that with men as well. They feel alone in the world. And when you gather with men in a group, you realize you're not alone. Like we're, mm. there's so many similarities between the men that are sitting with you in the circles. Do you want to speak to what your offerings look like in the world at this time? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, I just wrapped up an online embodiment course, which was a six week um, course for men to experience embodiment. And, and for me, like, I just want to define embodiment because, um, everybody's got a different definition. And after just holding a retreat of 45 men, um, every single man answered the question differently. What does embodiment mean to you? And, and it's beautiful. Like everybody has a different definition of what it is for them. For me, embodiment has been creating intensity in my body and directing my awareness to it. That's, that's simply it. Like, yeah. what is my relationship to intensity? And what I hear from men across the globe is that their relationship to intensity has been destructive. And it's been to run to numbing techniques to not feel the intensity. Yeah. And so when I say embodiment, I really say it's the essence of a man that has cultivated a nervous system to be with more intensity so that it could show up fuller, living authentically, not traumatized by his past. And I think that's freedom. And for me, I have a certain set of tools and a way of being that I cultivated from 
all of these primal retreats and all of these things, but it's a connection to our bodies. So I just did this six week course where it was online, but it's physical. Like we're in it, we're doing Qigong, we're doing all of this crazy primal stuff. And what I hear from men is, oh my God, from this space, I can't wait to see what's possible because they're connected. They're connected. They're out of their heads. They're in their body. They're tapped into their hearts. So my intention is to bring this um, program back towards the end of the year, probably, probably kick it off in November to close out the year with that. So that's, that's embody. That's a six week course. And I am doing one-on-one course. I'm doing one-on-one coaching. I coach men and women. And so while I call in men, um, I also work with a lot of women because I understand that we all need to heal a different aspect of our childhood. And sometimes that looks like working with a man that's safe and really changing the narrative around feeling safe with men. And so I believe men need to heal with women and they also need to heal with men. I don't think it just is one or the other. And I've experienced that with myself where I've worked with female coaches and I've worked with male coaches and I, and I recognize the, the, the depth of healing that was in the safety of being with somebody that really helped me work on my mom wound and work on my dad wound and, and really understand that energy and what was happening within me. So I do private coaching in in both aspects. Yeah. I've had men coaches. Um, and it's been deeply healing to allow a man to hold that safe container for me. So yeah, I, I fully, um, agree with having both, both energies support the masculine and Mm. the feminine is really powerful. There's different seasons, you know, and in totally, it's like listening to that inner call, what's calling you in this, in this moment. And so with the retreats, are those, are those in Austin or where are the retreats? So the one that I hosted was here in Austin and I'll be doing another one next year, but we're going to be doing, uh, it's called Convergence, which is the annual large retreat, which, and let's see, October 13th to the 16th, it's going to be in North Carolina and it's going to be Generation. And I believe this is probably going to be the most potent, powerful retreat of my life in that there's going, we're calling in 555 men. Last year we had 133 men. And this is going to be a little bit different in that the Sacred Sons have created a subgroup, which is called Sons Youth. And they're now working with boys that are 11 to 17 years old, which is just so beautiful because we're able to um, change generational patterns like early and get these young men to redefine masculinity for themselves and, and have a safe tribe. And so generations is, it's going to be fathers, uh, grandfathers, fathers, and sons at this one. And then there's going to be the, the, the youth group, which is going to have their own things. And I'm talking like mini sweat lodges where, where these young men are getting initiated. And, and then they're going to get to come together with the, with the grown men 
and, and be in that energy of being seen and witnessed by the grown men and have that intensity of being with the elders. Um, so it's a deep initiation experience, which is what's lacking in a Western culture. And uh, this one in October is just going to be, oh, it's going to be powerful. So that, that can be found on the Sacred Sons website on the link in bio. It's called Convergence. And like I said, 555 men, like that's, that's pretty deep work. That gave me goosebumps. It's inspiring. Yeah. It's so inspiring. Yeah. And yeah, those rites of passage and initiations are so, so pivotal to step mm. into that, like masculinity leading from, from the heart and yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. powerful. I believe that, uh, you know, men get to, um, trust other men in this magnitude, when they're initiated in, in the space of other men, there's like a real deep trust that happens, which um, really changes the lens for men of how they show up in the world. Yeah. Um, be more trustful. Yeah. Mm, 555. That's potent, potent and powerful. Do you yeah. <laughs> have any stories of synchronicity that you would like to share? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> There was a portal on 11-11, I believe it was 2020, that at that time, I think it was one of the more, I just remember, you know, looking at astrology things on Instagram and, and seeing that something about this day was going to be a timeline shift. And at that point, I was working a nine to five in an extremely toxic environment. And I was still continuing this safety paradigm of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy to be a coach. I don't know that I'm able to go into this space. And I truly just believe the universe said, okay, you're not going to go. We're going to guide this. And I was let go. And from that day on, even all the way up until today, there's not a day that goes by that I don't see four angel numbers of 10, 10, 11, 11, 1, 1, 1. I mean, I've seen them all today and it's, it's beautiful, but the potency of that one and what led the people into my life, um, albeit the founder of the Sacred Sons, uh, messaged me and said, Hey, I'm moving California. I'm coming to Austin. I know your partner's in Austin. Let's hook up sometime. The coach that I had hired at that time to do personal development coach, he was in California. He was telling me about moving to Austin. All of these people kept kind of telling me about Austin. Meanwhile, my ex-partner was living in Austin and I'm like, wow, something's something's really guiding me over to Austin. And after about 500 other signs and people coming into my life and, and all of the steps uh, to make it happen, I now find myself sitting in the environment of my dreams, really feeling held and supported and loved and, and in a space where I'm able to show up in my fullest and, and, and really just live a joyful life. And, uh, I, I, I just have to say that there is an awesome power 
of God watching over that entire situation. Everything felt directed, every book, every podcast, everything that I needed to get through and, and believe that I was supported showed up for me and continues to do so. But that one in particular, um, when I go back and think of that 1111, I'm like, wow, that was pretty special. <laughs> oh, that's powerful. The goddess yeah. or God was weaving a web for you to get there. And it, you know, for people listening, when you get laid off, it can feel like the worst thing. I, I got laid off from my old job too. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it's like, no, it's the push from the universe to be like, you need to sink, sink or swim, or you're just, you got to go for it. You have to go, for it. you have to leave and trust and yeah. make this happen. And you're fully supported in it, but we're giving you a little nudge. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was an invitation into surrender, which yeah. was what I was saying. I was cool with. And then the universe, you know, because we're antennas, it was like, oh, you, you're talking about surrender. You're saying that you're trusting and we're going to allow you the invitation to go a little bit deeper into that. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, it was like, oh, wow, okay, I have to trust that this was divinely orchestrated. And, you know, it's just a different lens of like, this is happening for me. It's not happening to me. It's not, oh my, oh my goodness, they're the worst people. I can't believe everything's happening for us always. It's just how we view it. Mm, That perspective is a big one. Beautiful. What's been your biggest lesson along the way? Hmm. What comes to mind is allowing space for grace. Um, that's been my biggest lesson is, is that this is a wild human experience. Like uh, what we experience in our bodies, what we feel um, in our environments, what we feel that's happening all around us, um, it can be heavy. And like all of these tools, all of these things, all of the support that I have, it still gets real. And it, there, there's some mornings where I can wake up where I'm like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> like, I just want to curl up in a ball. And so I say grace in that, like, allowing grace for the human experience and knowing that it's just a wave. Like, it's just, it's just a wave and it'll pass. And then, you know, just like today, um, I woke up and I'm like, wow, I feel incredible. I feel invigorated. I feel outward. I feel ready to show up. So, um, yeah, just creating space for grace to, to flutter experience, of whatever we're going through, just calling that in. Yeah. That's a powerful one. It felt like that, like the pain and the heaviness, it's all part of it. It doesn't, you know, the pleasure and the pain meeting all of it. Exactly. Exactly where it's at is part of this human experience yeah we're not exempt (laughs) we are not no (laughs) we're we're not exempt like it's great love and light I love it yes but like being with the darkness and 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 honoring it and and recognizing that it's a cycle and it too shall pass is is profoundly healing and just what I found to be like humaning it's just like humaning 101 like being with it and and uh, being okay with it, having some ice cream, and then, you know, moving through it. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Mm, How do you experience the mysteries? Hmm. 
I experienced the mysteries in absolute silence. Um, I love my meditation practice and there's not a day that goes by that when I go completely silent and really tap in inward that I don't hear something where I'm like, wow, that wasn't there before. Where did that come from? Like, that's really, that's really cool. Like that download or that person that, you know, that thought that just came through my mind of reaching out to that person or, you know, doing that reel or that book or that quote, like where and why did that come through? And, and what I've learned is like not to try to define it or overanalyze it. It's sometimes I just recognize it like, wow, this is really a part of the mystery of this experience of where these thoughts come from and, and knowing what's like intuition and what's ego and like really checking in with my heart. So I could say that the mystery comes when I'm like deeply present with my heart, when I'm asking myself, like what, what I need to feel, who needs to feel some, you know, my love. Um, usually the answer comes through profoundly. So yeah, I've, I found the mystery in no other place, but in, in my chest. Beautiful. How do you root into the self? Mm, putting my feet in the grass, walking in nature, having a, a good book to read, uh, putting my phone on airplane mode. Um, I do love affirmations. I've got a list of affirmations. I just think that the vibration of the words feels good to my cells. You know, our cells have two jobs to listen and to respond. And so if there's anything that I'm going to give to myself to nurture myself, it's going to be positive words. Um, I didn't believe them in the beginning. I just didn't. Um, but it takes practice. And, and, and that's what I really believe this whole journey is, is like fake it until you believe it. And um, I had to rewire um, my, my, my words that I used in, in order to feel better. And so, you know, rooting in myself is like saying these words over and over again, when doubt comes up, coming back to these words, like, is that doubt true? Is that real? Is that, where did that come from? I don't know, but I know that I'm powerful. I know that I'm courageous. I know that I'm determined. And I know that I have a heart of gold and that's who I am. And continuing to remember, it's like constant remembering. Yeah. Affirmations are a powerful one. And I, you know, when we think, cause I've, I've had people say that, well, it's not true. I feel weird saying it. I feel it's not it's not truth. And it's like, but the mm -hmm. negative thoughts, you know, quote unquote, negative thoughts that might be going through your mind over and over again, that you're thinking over and over again, they're not true either. So you correct. <laughs> you got to choose, why not choose the positive one and see how it, try it on for a little while and see it what takes just as much energy to think negative as much as positive, but the negative actually create the chemicals in our body because our body doesn't know the difference of the thoughts, right? So like the dread and the what ifs are going to create a flood of chemicals in our body that are going to feel awful. 
and the positive affirmations, whether we believe them or not, create a completely different substance. Uh, you know, I saw a TED talk called Emotional Alchemy and it changed my life. It was like, oh, wow, our body's always listening. It's always listening. So yeah, the deepest, the deepest um, way that I can root is really just being in touch with my physical vessel and, and nurturing it, loving it, putting my feet in the ground, pounding my chest, waking up my meridians and um, just keeping it light. Yeah. Keeping it light with good food. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to add to this powerful conversation before we close? Hmm. That if there's anybody here that's listening, that um, feels like, you know, my story doesn't matter, or, you know, my journey isn't that important. Nobody, nobody cares uh, about what I have to say. Um, let this just be an invitation to you that I said all of that stuff when, um, when I began my journey. And what I've recognized is that in every day, in every moment that I share my truth with somebody, it's been a flashlight for them. It's been like a lighthouse um, in the darkness where they were able to see an aspect of themselves that they didn't really recognize. And so I believe that when we share our truth, we get permission to others to see something in themselves that they may not have ever witnessed. So shine bright, uh, be yourself, take your time and trust the process. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. So you, we never know who's listening. Never know. Touch them. We never ever yeah. know. So keep sharing. It's not about us. Yeah. No, no. Very powerful stories are so, so healing and everybody yeah. has one. Yeah. Yeah. Shine on. Shine on beautiful yeah. on Lionsgate. <laughs> yes. <So powerful. laughs> Thank you yes. so much for this conversation. It'll be in the show notes where everybody can reach out and experience your magic. And yeah, yeah. totally calling in those 555 men with Thank you. you. Thank mm. you. I'm holding the vision every day. And so it is. I just got to catch up. So it is. So it is. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.